Hey folks, it's been a while. I'm joining you from just outside of Selma, Oregon, where Britt and I are taking time to pause and to lean in a little bit so that we can hear what God has in store for us in this next chapter. We have been away, but not completely out of sync because we are continuing the false rhythm of soap so that we can stay in those same stories and hear the same beauty of God together with you. And this means as we step into another soap session series that we can stay connected in spirit even if our Wi-Fi doesn't always allow us to be present in person. Today is going to be a little bit different because it will be part sermon and part autobiographical reflection. This will allow us to step into the soap stories together and catch up a little. The last few weeks have been a time of unsettling. Therefore, I had to draw out of the Psalms for today. If you remember Walter Brueggemann, because Carl and I quote him quite a bit, he gave us some insights for how we can enter the Psalms. Then you'll know why I had no choice. I had to leave the Gospel of John for a moment to sit into the tension, the beauty, and the poetics of the Psalms as life took an unexpected turn. The Psalms are the voice of the poets and have a cycle to them. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Order, disorder, new order. Creation, chaos, new creation. Or as I like to think of it now, the predictable, what we couldn't see coming, and a new possibility. Often, like seeing art that moves us, we are drawn towards the poets and the psalms that we want to sound like or those which resonate the most with our own experience in the moment. These last few weeks have been chaos. We were in a season of order, of orientation, and we could easily see the next 20 years unfolding in front of us. Sponsorship would lead to permanent residence. Permanent residence would open the door to finding a home of our own, a home that I would fill with books and that we would be able to give a new child to. The whole time would be dedicated to the promise of God building the church and the blessing of Brittany building a career which amplified her God-given strengths. But as the rains of spring promises the coming beauty of summer, the possibilities of orientation seem endlessly fruitful. Nothing is out of reach, but it can't last forever. Disorientation inevitably comes like a spiritual winter. If faith is directly tied to the spring, to orientation, it will always exist in a threatened and defensive position because it will always have to have security to thrive. When we lost our sponsorship, in a single phone call, the future became unsettled. The promising and predictable became the unknown and uncertain. It is now the time of disorientation, and this is where we enter Psalm 105 from. It begins like a poem of orientation, though, a poem where good always happens, where God always shows up and brings peace. However, if we lean in and listen carefully, it's a psalm of reorientation. It's a psalm that rereads their history to wrestle with Egypt's slavery loss. And then it ends with a new understanding of presence. Psalm 105 wrestles with the community's knowledge of being chosen, of saying that God wanted us to do something and their shared story of being slaves and the descendants of slaves, being the powerless. 17 through 39, which is a big chunk of it, 23 verses out of the 45, focus simply on their time of Egypt, a time when Joseph arrived in chains, became elevated to second in command, but his power could not save his family from being bound in the same chains as he was. 
the orientation of verses 1 through 16, where the stanzas emphasize God's consistent presence and complete protection. Abraham is chosen. He's protected from other armies, from famine, from plague. He's protected from other kings. And God makes sure that it always comes up good for him. Becomes disorientation. As a protected family suffer under their master's whip. As the one who could lose no wars, no gold, and no land, suddenly cannot save even his own people. And this move toward disorientation, this loss, echoes our own experience right now. Because we are wrestling with the promise of a hoped for future fading away. And it brings us to this place where we have to ask ourselves, does God still remember? Maybe you have had reason to ask this as well. I mean, this is the time of COVID and protests, of economic uncertainty, stimulus packages, and us challenging the stories that we use to frame our culture. Does God still remember? For us, we have not experienced the shift that comes in Psalm 105. As the stanzas move towards a happy ending where God sent quails, he satisfied them with food, opened up a rock and water flowed out running through a dry region where it tells the story of after Egypt, where God again satisfies every need, protects them in every danger. To the point that the psalmist looking back on their history, even the time of oppression and slavery and servitude says, yes, God remembered the sacred promise made to Abraham. God's people rejoiced. And yet, speaking for myself and Brittany, we're not at that time of rejoicing because we are still in verses 17 to 18. For yourself, as you look around society and you're wondering what will the church become, who will we become? You may not be at that place of rejoicing yet. You might relate more to Joseph, who was sold as a slave, said the shackles hurt his feet, his neck placed in an iron collar. You might still be able to feel the weight on your arms, you cannot lift them up. You might still be in that place where the systemic oppression around you defines your role and your potential. The turn hasn't happened yet. But this poet who wrote the psalm, the one who looked back and even gave license and voice to that experience of loss, trauma, and powerlessness of Joseph, is the one who also penned the hope of verse 8. God always remembers the promise he made to a thousand generations to your children's 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 children a hundred times over, God remembers. God remembered them even in Egypt. But we can miss this event of remembering if we are convinced God's memory comes from outside of nature. Obsessing, obsessing over our circumstances while straining to see the supernatural can blind us. We focus on what could have been or what should have been, and we keep looking up. We keep saying it has to come from this direction and we miss the moments of incarnation around us. We miss that turn in verse 26 where we see God remembered by sending a person. It was a moment of incarnation. It was a moment when God sends Moses and Aaron and they performed his miraculous signs. Did you catch that? God's memory needed human agency to become tangible in this world. It wasn't enough for God to remember. It wasn't enough for God to remember and send. It needed the response of Moses and Aaron. 
So Providence was powerless without a partner because we serve a God of presence, not coercion, of love and not violence. It's time for application though. As we've sat in that story a little bit, as we've heard those promises, where we say, how can I step into that song? And the first thing we can do is we take a moment to create ways to witness how God always remembers. Because this is the very reason the psalm exists. People look back over their history, over their time, over their people, and said, I can recount the ways that you may not have noticed it then, Joseph may not have realized it in the moment, but God remembered. And the people created art to remember and to celebrate God acting within their family, their culture, and all their people's life. Even in Egypt, even during COVID, even as we witness injustice and protest, we begin by knowing that God is doing God's best to bring out a more beautiful ending. And we create art to celebrate it, to acknowledge it, and to see it. Then we see our spirituality become real as God's memory inspires our actions. Let me say that again. Spirituality becomes real when God's memory inspires our actions. God remembered his promise, then Moses and Aaron became the answer. If this is a time of disorientation for you, then what a faithful response would look like is lowering your gaze from heaven to look at your brothers and sisters around you so that you can see the Moses and the Aaron's showing up. Because like the psalm, the answer to our prayers is usually God sent through other people. And it will be experienced by these God sent through other people showing up in our lives. And if you're always staring into the heavens, you may miss the moment of God showing up. Now, if you are in a secure oriented space, if you're saying, actually, this works for me and has worked well, I have security, I have safety, and I actually have space to invite people into, ask, who can I be sent to and how can I be present? Because when we ask who, we draw ourselves to notice our neighbors and the people around us, to see the needs that are present. But that's not enough. Just like you can't just send, the person must respond. When we ask how, we ask ourselves to listen to the who, to let those with need, those who are going to show up for, define what presence looks like. If we ask who and we see somebody, but we don't ask how, we can become forceful and coercive. If we ask who, but don't ask how, then what we hope to be good may actually be felt like invasion of privacy, abuse, and could re-traumatize. But if we pause long enough to ask how, then our actions will be experienced as good news because it will be driven by a love which reminds people God still remembers through us because it was always through humanity. It was always incarnation. And if we do this, if we ask who and listen to how, if we lower our eyes from heaven to see the Moses and Aaron's around us so that we can be reminded and we can remind that there's a God who always hears, a God who always remembers. If we learn to see God always remembering as the inspiration behind humanity's gracious acts, we will discover reasons to celebrate providence, but providence will change in this way. 
because providence will move from a solitary act of God up high to down low, and it'll become an incarnational experience. And it must happen this way because we serve a loving God with us, not a domineering God over us. And what my hope and prayer is, as we learn to come through this, and Brittany and I at the end want to come through once we're brought to a place that we say, we're in reorientation, in new creation, that we'll be able to look back and because of people who invested in our lives, say, did you not know God always remembers. And then we'll get to be the most beautiful change because we'll go from the one who needs Moses and Aaron to show up to being able to look around and say, it's time again for us to be a Moses and an Aaron. It's time again for us to look and say, who can I go to and how could I show up that my acts of generosity and love can be experienced at good news? And in this way, it'll not only be Brittany and I saying, did you not know God always remembers and we join the people rejoicing that the effect of our lives around our communities and where we land will also be them saying, we see that God always remembers and they will join in the rejoicing. So I thank you so much for letting me come back from afar. And as soon as I have Wi-Fi again, as soon as I have technology, I look forward to that time that I can hear your stories of a God who always remembers, hear your stories of a God who shows up in the lives of other people and through other people so that we can celebrate together. Love you guys and go in peace.